Hello and welcome back to our post-show podcasting, direct from the Southwark Playhouse Theatre in London. I am Claire French and I am about to explore the depths of the collaborative partnership between writer Sonia Linton and actor Claire Perkins in the play Roundelay. While I am particularly interested in how they came to develop the end of the play during the six-week rehearsal period, in doing so, our conversation also tends to, quite necessarily, unpick the character of the ringmistress, played by Claire Perkins, and the ways in which she came to explore alternative versions of love that were not overtly visible in the script. I begin the session with Claire and Sonia asking a fairly open question about the elusive ringmistress and how she came to be and how this led to writing the end of Roundelay. You know when you have something on your mind and then all of a sudden you, you go past a poster for anything, a bank or something, and the headline on it just makes you go, oh my God, that's what's happening in my life. Or you watch a film and you're just like, wow, that's really, you know, all the emotions that you're going through about a certain thing in your life ever been in that film so that's how what I feel like her circus is like so that's why I was like you can't really unmask her because that's who she is and then um I'd been reading this brilliant book called all the single ladies and it's about it's about a whole a century of single women and how basically that's changed the world um brilliant book and um and it really made me feel as a person like yeah god that's me all this there is a thing in this world where it says it is normal to have a partner. It is normal to be married. What we seek is an other person. And of course, we all like sex and we all like love, but some of us are quite happy going home and reading a book and doing whatever. Of course, we all have the moments where we're like, I want someone to hold me and I want this and I want that. And we, and, but the book just made me feel like, God, at last, uh, there is a legitimate position for this, which was, it's been legitimate all the time. And so I felt like that was the, maybe the one voice that was missing from our Circus of Love. That because everybody in it is seeking a partner, lost a partner, you know, that kind of thing. And um, so then we had, we did we have that, a little bit that, that, was, that was saying that, didn't well, we? Well, I, I really liked what Claire had to say because I thought, yes, okay, within the play, it's very much love within a relationship, even if you've lost that relationship and there's a place you know to celebrate singleness so I thought this was fantastic and particularly as Claire was so proud of being single and a mum you know and I thought and, and rejoiced actually you said more than that didn't you, you said you actually positively wanted to be yeah, I mean, obviously, free. I, I've, I feel like I feel like there's a lot of women or people out there that actually they want partners, but they don't want them all the time. Do you know what I mean? You don't <laughs> want twenty four seven. You know, you just you want it'd be nice to have somebody, or maybe you just have them for a while, because there's nothing like you know, like for instance, when I'm riding my bike, I am so happy because I, I like being by myself. When I'm walking up hills, I like being by myself. When it's a Sunday and I've got a good book and I have a really long bath, I love being by myself. Obviously, some Sundays. You go out and you're like, oh my God, everyone's in love and everyone's got a partner and I want one. But I know, well, I feel like I don't want that till death us do part thing, that 24 hours a day, seven days a week thing. So yeah, so then we... So then we, we created explored. another... Yeah, so yeah. I did... The, picking up on that theme, I then did write a little epilogue. Well, what I then thought was an epilogue. Though we had a slight problem there because when we brought this scene to Anna, the director, she thought we realise that we have an epilogue, because the epilogue really is when she says, so that was Tinder, ladies and gentlemen, and then she introduces the performers, and then you have that final dance, the Kaylee, and that is actually the epilogue. So actually what we wanted was, because I, 
We wanted like a little finale, finale, coda, a coda, a finale. So I wrote a slightly longer version of what actually ended up being this tiny version. So we feel a bit funny coming and talking about the epilogue because it's about three lines now. It got distilled down to that, didn't it? But I did have a little section where you were saying, you know, oh, something about, oh, well, I think you had a little... You had a little, I bought it with me actually, but I don't think we'll read it. Um, you had a little exchange with the lovely musician and he only answered in the flute, a bit like we have now. Oh, that's right. Yeah, remember? but it was a bit longer, wasn't uh, it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. You said that those last lines, like, these are actors are now melted into air and he did his little flute bit. And then you say, yeah, well, it's a whole, all, you've talked about all of those twosomes, mm -hmm. but I'm a bit of a onesome. And Something then he like went, that, yeah. ooh, with the flute. And you said, like, you, and then you did a little tiny speech, didn't you, yeah, about how about actually I really like being yeah, single. It's fine. Yeah. It was like a sort of glory to be single. And when I spoke to some friends and things, they said, well, why didn't you leave that in? And I think our music designer yeah, well, really we said, had oh, I'm single, I want to hear that. Yes. So <laughs> but just before that, we said, I said, oh, we could end it, like, because we've got the bed. So I said, the bed could come on. And she could get on the bed and have a post-coital cigarette, <laughs> which I thought was quite genius. But, um, you know, and, um, and, the, and the musician, he, when he says the gin and tonic, he could bring me the gin and tonic, and then I could just be smoking as everybody goes out, like I'm just resting on my bed. But, and then we discarded that. And then, then there was the thing about, about the drink. drink. And then yeah. Max said, and I went, yeah, you can get me a large G&T. And then Max went, oh, but you should say make it a single. And we were like, <laughs> oh, my God, that's genius. <laughs> So, it's, you know, it kind of encompasses it all. And because then there are people whose their greatest love is their job, isn't it? It's their job, their life. Or, you know, they, there is another great love that you can have. So, yeah. So, it's like, well, yeah, no, make it a single. Get it down. Yeah. And actually, it really works. I really like that. Yeah, I really Finally liked it. It just too. felt like we had to go through all those stages yeah. in order to get that little bit. Exactly. Exactly. So. so, that's the story of the epilogue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which wasn't an epilogue in the end, it was a yeah. coda or something like that. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm here. In some ways it was like a, a double epilogue, wasn't it? Yes, a sort of double, double ending. False ending. <laughs> False ending, yes. Anyone have any questions so we can open it up? You were saying about you writing the scenes first, yeah. before the idea of the ring mistress. Yes. What was your to original concept of it then? If it, was, it, was, it, was it a sort of a drama, was it sort of an episodic drama? sort of, you know, you know, in episodes that yes. sort of had a sort of, had a kind of linear structure or, or just, but it without was, any I of mean, this, it was, what was it going to be? If you took out all the, well, I call them intermezzies or the interludes yeah. between the scenes, you took them all out, that's what it was, in fact. But I wasn't satisfied with that. I kind sure. of wanted it more. I mean, it probably would have worked as it was, but I think the scenes would have been longer then. And um, the scenes had to be reasonably short they're very packed actually they're very intense there's a lot happening in a very short scene and you come into the middle of a story almost and they don't always resolve so in a way it's not a conventional play because it doesn't go to a climax and then sort of resolve and things are left unresolved but that's how it was yes it was a series of these but they were linked you know with one character meeting the next person and then coming full circle that was the idea really and to explore different aspects of love in later age but also love across an age divide you know, and losing somebody, but maybe finding a new, you know, so in some senses, uh, because as you get older, things do happen, you do get ill, you do lose a partner. I wanted to create a sense that sometimes, and I've observed this with friends, a terrible bereavement might happen. I have a friend like that that 
absolutely just couldn't do anything for a year or two. And then you see something emerge and a new door opens and they find another, another way of life or do something that they've never done before, become a slightly different person. So I, I felt, you know, with Chris in that second scene or in that third scene, you know, there's this possibility, is he going to explore this whole other side of himself that he actually never dared even sort of recognize? So the idea that a door, a door closes but the door might open. And I, that happened in quite a lot of the stories. I'm quite interested in your characterization and how you came to the end, like your journey. It's just another night in the circus, or do you also move through an emotional journey? Yes, because it's, it's like a circus, isn't it? So you're, the show is dependent upon the audience. And um, it's funny because a lot of the things I say to the audience that I've written, they're written as questions, but most people don't answer. But then when people do answer, it's just great. That lady up there, when she said, yes, indeed, or whatever, it was like, yes, love. We do, we love. Do you know what I mean? We all like a bit of sex or whatever. And yeah, and, and sometimes people answer, sometimes people are afraid. And then there's also the glorious power of being the ring mistress when someone's phone goes off or they're talking, or they're because I've told them to pay attention. So I can then single them out, tell them to turn their phone off. Do you know what I mean? It is bloody, as an actor, it's great. So, but it just means, it does mean every show is different. And when we've, we've had some small audiences, so it's, you kind of feel like you, you sort of know them. You know, like you, you can get a relationship with them. And, and the best bit, I think, because it was Anna's idea, because I originally came on and was like, ladies and gentlemen, and she said, why don't you, totally subvert that and come on and just stand in silence and then and so now I come on and I assess my audience and then when I've seen who they are I welcome them so that that also means that every night is different because some people you know when you're catching people's eye right at the beginning and you haven't said anything people laugh they it's they, everyone's got a different reaction so it does make it it does make every night different so yes it's um it's another performance, but it's never just another night at the circus. And then I love it, sort of seeing how people react to certain scenes, you know, and then thinking, ha ha, you don't know what's coming next. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like that. Um, and, and taking that idea of she is bringing something to people, because I'm sure everyone has love on their minds at least once a day, or are they loved, or are they happy, or... Do you know what I mean? Or you think about somebody that you love or you do something. You know, like when um, Annie says, autumn sun. You know, like that thing where, like, the sun will hit the back of your neck and you think, oh, God, I love that. Like, it is. Like, when she says love is the most important thing. And I love saying that line at the end as well. Because it is. It's so true. It's like it just underpins everything. So, yeah, it's a joy to play her. And... Play it joyously, I have to say, from the <laughs> work. And I have to say that Claire has really virtually created this whole characterization herself. I mean, Anna, the director, kind of said that the other night you weren't there. We just let you do it because yeah, it was just brilliant. I know just it was just. It. She had so many ideas and tried out so many ideas as to how to do, even playing with the whip. You know, remember the first time you got that whip? Yeah. You so enjoyed it. <laughs> Um, and, and you just really did create. You just threw everything into creating. I think you, you could sense you relishing the role. Yeah, I did. I, I relished the role. I did actually, so they saw me like ages ago, like September or something, wasn't it, last yes, year? Yeah, yeah. And then there was a bit of a gap and I was like, oh God. So I wrote them an email which basically said, 
Dear guys, I really, 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 I've wrote really about 32 times, <laughs> want to play the ring mistress. Love from Claire. <laughs> and then they still went, we've just seen a few more people, we'll let you know. <laughs> and, then, and then I got it. But I just thought, yeah. oh, I really want this job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. But in fact, actually, I do remember that audition because it was memorable. And it was very much, I mean, we loved your take. I think we just had a few people booked in that we had to see, but kind of you were the one. Just, you know, entre nous. <laughs> but um, because you did deliver, you know, you really delivered, I remember, on that day that we, that we first met. But um, anything else? I wonder whether... Yeah, I, I wanted to hear a little bit about the rehearsal process. Can you talk about how long the rehearsal went for and how the play developed you know, over that time together? Yeah, well, we had quite a long rehearsal and uh, we had the lovely Diane Mitchell doing movement. So every morning was movement. And it's funny with actors because sometimes actors come in and they're like, OK, it's a warm up. And they're like, right, it's tea break. Oh, well, it's more movement. Oh, it's movement till lunchtime. And then they're like, oh, it's that every day. So, you know, you get a few grumbles. And then we, the, we were learning the dances and stuff. But we did do some really, really great stuff. And I think everyone started to really enjoy it. And because of the, the structure of the play, it meant that everyone was together in the morning. Then there would only be two actors rehearsing in the afternoon because there's only two actors in each scene. So um, it was brilliant because you, you get time to do your stuff and then go home and reflect on it. And it was it was actually a really nice, chilled rehearsal period, and the company um, really gelled. We really gelled early, didn't yeah, we? It was, so. it was a great rehearsal period, and I think everybody enjoyed it. And what was nice is we divided the day. Because as the founder of the company, and a company for older actors, my kind of vision, which is a very expensive vision, can I keep it up, um, was to have longer rehearsal periods, because the classic one is three to four weeks which is never enough, particularly for a new play when you want to really explore the characterization, you want to explore, you want to make changes as a writer. And in the past, you know, I've had a day of rehearsal and I've rushed home and then you start writing, then you rush in. And I wanted to, you know, as the founder of the company, I thought, I want a bit more luxury of time. So, um, so we stopped work at four every day. We didn't work till six, which is a classic time, really, isn't it? And every morning we had um, physical work, which I observed. I didn't partaken um, but it was lovely to watch actually and you did all sorts of these fascinating games to sort of get close and to get intimate and then the dances were rehearsed which were lovely to watch and so it was very rather joyous actually and also sharing lots of love stories yeah. you know amongst the cast about all of that and where you know because of the nature of the piece you know so where can we touch and where can we not touch in rehearsals as well and people just agreeing on that whole language of physicality and stuff and because uh, it's you know it's not easy, is it, to pretend to I don't have to do it, but to pretend to make love, Doreen, that has to in uh, you know on stage and stuff. So you have to kind of you have to break those barriers first, because a lot of actors we're like yeah yeah we're up for it. Then there might be a little bit of balking at it. So it's it's it is very important to everybody to have that language, and we did it all together. So it was um, yeah it was it was just nice. It was a really nice way of working. Yeah, and there's some strange, some changes are always made to the script. Not not that many, in over the whole script. Some, particularly the last scene, I changed a lot. And bringing in a third actor, the young woman, was was something that I sort of discovered towards the end, and thought that's nice because it links her with the first character of Betty, who we see in the first scene. And also, I wanted to have a love between a parent and a child. 
I thought that. And the threat that really does happen if a new partner arrives on the scene. And how does the child, in fact, we left this out, but the idea of this particular young woman in the original writing, it sort of got squeezed out, was that she had lost her partner quite recently. And she had a mother who had Alzheimer's who was no longer recognizing it. So she was completely bereft. And this got lost as well, but it's in the subtext. And also her father, who had gone to Paris and gone off with another woman, he'd been a missing father. She just discovered him. Anyway, I, I need to put a, bit that, put a bit more of that into the script if we should ever do it again. Because that all underscored the fact that she really felt that she needed him at this time. Um, so that's, that script, that, that scene kept on being reworked till we sort of got it right. But um, yes, it was good to have that long rehearsal period. That's lovely, thank you. Um, do we have any other questions about the writing or collaboration? Hello. I, abs I absolutely loved it. I just thought it was so, so brilliant. A real emotional roller coaster. We laughed, we cried. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. That was my ambition. Yeah, that, that's what I was, that was one of the questions mm. I wanted to ask. But the, the one thing that I wanted to ask was about the use of the silk. Yes. And the scene where the mistress is left. Yes. It, ah. it's, and it was, it was so, it's so powerful because beautiful, that idea of the mistress not being able to grieve, not being I able know. to go to a funeral. And yeah, I just wanted to know about the use of the Well, that was silk. really interesting because that really was developed in rehearsal. Do you remember? Doreen's over there who did it. Do you remember Doreen? Come in, Doreen. Um, because we had the silks and we had that moment when she'd lost her lover. Um, which is sort of slightly cut against the slightly comic element of pulling him off the stage, um, which was kind of written into the script. But then we had this, you really saw her grief. And we had the silks and we tried them out that day. And Doreen, you were really quite nervous about it. And understandably, you know, you had to be swung and how would you stop them? And, and you look really anxious. But now it's become one of the most beautiful moments, actually, I think. Because, you know, actions in so many places in this play speak louder than words. For example, for me, that beautiful um, intermezzo when the young and the old, the younger and older one, I love that. And I wrote it rather differently, actually, because in my imagination, you know, you can have lots of imagination as a writer. I had this low-slung gold trapeze. Well, that went for a start. Nobody was prepared to sit on a low-slung gold trapeze. was, but apparently <laughs> the ceiling can't hold it. I oh, was you like, where's my trapeze, it? man? She wanted it. Really yeah. wanted a trapeze. But anyway. I had, in the original scene, I had the younger and the older woman sitting together on this trapeze, identically dressed, so that you could sort of get the idea that maybe they were the same person at different stages of their life life and they were doing identical actions but then there was that moment of her stroking her body and looking at the, sh the older and the younger hand and that's what sort of sort of inspired what actually happened and the movement director and the director they kind of with Anna with the two with Anna and Annie who played those two roles they kind of created that that beautiful moment you know it is and again you know without text it created so much. It was a lovely, moving moment. Rue's lovely live music at the back. So oh, yes, it's that's all, lovely. It's gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. And that came in quite late in the rehearsal. Yeah, Rue came in late. We didn't have him. We didn't we have had music, music for a long then, time. Yeah, then we had the, uh, the last two weeks we had the last original two weeks we had music, the music, yes, and he came in. And he actually, at the initially, he was learning the music, so he wasn't actually to move about the stage so much. So that really was quite late in the development, wasn't it? Yeah. But it's lovely. It's really beautiful. And on the silks, like um, on a more practical level, when did you bring them into the rehearsal room? 
We moved to the Circus Space, so we had four weeks at Toynbee Studios, and then we had two weeks at Circus Space, which was brilliant, where they're just rigged up in the middle of the room. So, um, yeah, people had a bit of fun <laughs> after work <laughs> with, uh, with Anna. Show me, show me, I want to go. So, yeah, it was great. Yeah, and then there's people in another hall, you know, standing on their heads and juggling and doing all sorts of things like circusy things in the in the space up the hall so yeah it was great but what was actually fantastic was you know obviously you audition a cast you know on the strength of what you think they you know how they close they come to your imagination of the character and all their skills as actors but we hadn't tested any of them in terms of their physical skills you know we had a quick look to say oh yes you can do a bit of oh yes you do horse riding or oh yes you can do dance and it was amazing how physical everybody was, wasn't it? I mean, it was hard work for some of them, but yeah, they the were. Who got um, like when John does his hoop thing, that hoop that always comes back to him when he throws <laughs> it now. Yes. And uh, yeah, and the guys who can juggle and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And some of us who went, yeah, I can do the splits, and we did it for a couple <laughs> of days, and then we went, might not be able to do that every day in the show. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was it was good though. And people, there was a day when people were going, I can do a handstand, I can do a headstand, oh, I can do that. And then we did we did some stuff that wasn't even in the show. Where remember that thing where somebody would lie on their back, and then you kind of you do a handstand on their body, and most of us managed to do that. But obviously, we'd have to have a lot of practice in order to do that in the show every night. But um, yeah, it was really good fun. It's kind of good fun going, look what we're capable of. You know, we're yeah. all getting older. But I mean, I think the whole point do. was, the, I mean, in the script, it, they, they, I, I think in the opening thing, I said, the Pormovers come on doing all sorts of juggling tricks, this, that, and the other, badly. I mean, the idea was that they didn't have to be, you know, mm. that the age might show, and it wasn't that they... And some of them were fantastic, and some of them couldn't do it as well, but that was the whole point, really, you know, of a company of, of older actors. They... They could or they couldn't do it well. But then also our um, younger actor who played in the scene, who played Daniel, he's, EJ, you saw him in yeah. EJ, well, he was so amingly acrobatic. I yeah, mean, that was just everything. a find. And a lot Jumping of that through hoops. It, it, it evolves every performance. He never used to jump over me. <laughs> he jumps over me. First time he did that, I was like, whoa. So that yeah. was like a gift, wasn't it? We, yeah. I mean, we didn't know. I didn't know when I met him and auditioned him. I just thought, well, he'd be great yeah, in the role. And he kept some of his tricks. He'd do them <laughs> at the side of rehearsals every day to do that hoop thing where he goes down on one leg and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's amazing. So that yeah. was lovely. I'd like to put our hands together for these wonderful women. What an interesting and often hilarious discussion with Claire and Sonia. That brings us to yet again another Visible podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed listening and in some ways it's been illuminating for you. I will be presenting two more Visible podcasts uh, within the production of Roundelay and I very much hope that you'll join me for both of them. I will speak to you very soon and ciao for now. <laughs>